1: I'm Michelle Laurie, and this is the Nitty Gritty Committee, conversations about the guts and the glory of life.
2: Greg Proops is one of my favourite podcasters. Greg Proops does a podcast called The Smartest Man in the World, and he has this line, Hollywood is not a place. It's an idea held at the same time by a million assholes.
1: That's Osher Ginsberg, formerly known as Andrew Ginsberg, formerly known as Andrew G, Uh, from Channel V and Australian Idol and The Bachelor and pretty soon The Bachelorette and lots and lots of other things in between. He also does a podcast, The Osher Ginsberg Podcast, which is excellent, and I'm not just saying that because I've been on it. His website's great. He writes a long and thorough explanation of the name change on there that you might want to shout yourself a look at. Osher and I met to have this conversation in Los Angeles. I think I knew already, but I realised more during this conversation that there is, there's just so much about Osher that doesn't meet the eye. There's there's so much more going on there than I realised, and I think that we, as a collective, realised. Interesting dude, soulful dude, uh, I hope you enjoy this chat as much as I did. I give you Osher Ginsberg poolside.
2: Well, I'm really happy that we're here. We're, <laughs> yeah, me we're, too. So we're poolside under the palm trees at the Tropicana Bar at the Roosevelt Hotel. It's
1: pretty great, huh?
2: We are possibly the least fashionable people to ever sit here. <laughs> You're in a... I've run out of clean clothes. Yep. Um, I'm on the road. <laughs> Couldn't be bothered... Oopsie daisy, I'm going to the basketball, I'll buy some new clothes there, LA Clippers t-shirt. Yes, I am. I'm wearing the shirt I wore last night, which is a Stonewall shirt. Christ, that's an eighth of my life I've had this t-shirt. So I'm starting, I'm 40, so I'm starting to do the maths a lot more. And um, I'm drinking my uh, third coffee of the day in the beautiful afternoon sun here in Hollywood. And it's a tricky day, Michelle Laurie, because I'm... uh, I'm in the as, as when you have a mental illness, you have you do this delicate dance of medication, all right? And yeah. it's it's not like I've got a headache; I'll take a Panadol, shit'll be all right. I'll go out and get on my things. Yeah. You have to be like it's. I think the only analogy that I could give it's a little like uh, working with a contraceptive pill. You kind of have to do about six cycles before you go, yeah, good, or nah, not good. Yeah, eh, spotting all the time. Uh, turn into a like a, a I am the mother of
0: dragons. <laughs>
2: But you know, it's like, why is my boyfriend running away from me? Yeah. Like, you, you don't know this stuff until like three cycles in, so it's kind of like that kind of window. You have to take a little time to to get things right, and so we've made a sh- we've made a shift. I'm in the world of polypharmaceuticals, so that's that's where you have the, the the base layer SSRI, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, and then we sprinkle a bit of salt on the rice. We put a little one or two little things on top of that. And so I'm on this other two and I, I uh, so I've just recently shifted I'm like I'm on hiatus I'm back in beard mode um, I'm not on television for a while I finished everything I need to do for work and so I said to my new guy all right let's go and I am uh, it's a bit weird I feel a bit slow motion so if I come across it all slow motion today just let me know but so I'm smashing coffees to try and uh, counteract that but it's it's kind of strange I was off meds so I had to get back on but it's that or think that the world is ending every day in anxiety, fear, terror, and you know what? I'll take this because the other is—it's not—it's one or the other. It's like, do I wake up in the morning with my heart being out of my chest, walking through my day, wondering why no one else is as afraid as I am? Don't they see how much danger we're all in? Or this—I um, know it's not going to be like this forever, I and mean, we're just—we're just trying out this new mix for this week while I'm, you know, away from. Cameras and stuff. Um, well, you know, we'll see how we go. it Might take me a couple of days to adjust. That's the thing with these meds; they don't take, like, they don't take act, action straight away. They're sometimes like, yeah, we'll know in about a month. Okay. That's what's going on today. Uh, The way I describe it is you're staying at a beautiful hotel room here. You're in a bungalow right by the pool. But it's a new hotel room. So when you go to bed at night, there's one final light. You can't find the switch to turn the bastard off. You're all over the room. You turn one switch on, the other one goes off. You can't find it. So it's a little like that. There was a switch in my brain that just got stuck on. Hey, just be terrified all the time. And I couldn't find the switch to turn it off. And it was really, really, really frightening. And um, it's just my brain trying to keep me safe. That's all it is. But there's a it's just a malfunction of my you know, what's going on up there. But I have a great team of people that I you know, I've you know, I've got my mentor, I've got my therapist, I've got my psychiatrist, I've got my doctor, you know. We are a team,
1: man. Yeah, great.
2: And you know, I'm able to still live a very you know I'd like to think vital and a uh, life that contributes to, to those around me. I, I believe that I bring happiness to people I'm close with. Um, and at the same time, doing that brings me happiness to myself. And, I mean, you know, the other night I, I, I hosted the Arias solo, for Christ's sake. This is a dream gig. I got up in front of the entire industry yeah. with, and let's not, you know, if I'd fucked that up, the first time the Arias have been back on the network, first time they've been back on primetime in four years, a massive brand that took a huge hit after that Opera House show a yeah. couple of years back. Massive brand, a lot of expectation for the night. Only the two biggest fucking bands in the world right now are there. There's a lot writing on that. I don't know, you know, I remember you know, when we did Idol, I remember watching it. going. But this is back in the old days before I stopped drinking I was so jealous <laughs> you know jealousy is just fear man you know um, it's just in, in like dark sinful envy and jealousy of the people that were doing those jobs but of course of course they didn't ask me to do it I wasn't ready of course they didn't ask me to do it there were way better people to do the job at the time
1: so the sure. Arias is a big deal for you I didn't realise it was
2: realize. a massive deal for me I used to just grind my teeth that they didn't ask me <laughs> I look at it now. Of course they didn't ask me. I was blonde and crazy and I couldn't, I couldn't have held that show together.
1: You held, the, you held Australian Idol together. Oh, you were yeah. great at that. Yeah, it's a different
2: different beast. Standing on stage at the Arias, it's like maybe a 4,000-seater and the whole floor is industry and then the general public are up above. And I remember the, the network executive, Stephen Tate, just, just said to me, just remember... Can't work the room. Gotta remember you're making a show for the people at home. And he's absolutely right. Because the room's gonna get enough. Absolutely. The crickets. And I come off. And you know, you're at least expecting to get some kind of energy, even if it's a silent rebuttal back, but they just so weren't paying attention to what I was saying. Just a bit where there was no awards or no music playing. Yeah. I was just talking. I'd walk off stage going, are we making am I fucking up enormously? Am we making a bad show? They're like, no no no, trust me, in the truck, it's great. I just had to trust
0: them.
1: Are you here also, so no one people aren't constantly <laughs> wanting to talk to you and get their photo taken with you? And when I
2: first came here, that was a big part of it. Not only was I in love with this woman and wanting to be with her, having people run up to you on the street, grab you by the shoulders, Yeah,
1: it's
2: pretty scary. Like people would grab me, and physically manhandle me. It's kind of frightening. All right, and plus I was like deep in. This is pre meds. anything. Yeah. I hadn't been diagnosed yet. I was just terrified. And I didn't know why. So I was drinking a lot to put, you know, to try and calm that down. And so coming over here was like, oh, wow. Not... It's part of my job is to have that, and that's all right. And I find now, the less afraid I am of it, the less I attract it. At the time, I think I was really attracting it because I was so afraid of it. It's pretty weird when Idol was in full swing. It's pretty strange. A lot of takeaway. A lot of delivery. I didn't like doing groceries very much.
1: So you already had anxiety then?
2: Oh, from when I was a kid. Okay. Little kid. I was, um, like, my brain's been like, I was just, you know, this is the brain I was born with.
1: I know, this, but I remember I you as being, uh, you always a- appeared to me to be really relaxed. I'm thinking back to early Channel V days. Um,
2: you know why? Why? What's the antidote to fear? It's control. When am I in control? When I'm in charge. I'm in control when I'm I'm calling the shots when else is the most perfect I'm in control time but I'm on live television everything stops the camera's on, I'm the only one that's talking and you're listening Yeah, complete right. peace absolute peace Like here when I was doing the show here on CBS live North American primetime network television 7.30 coast to coast, 10 million people watching absolute serenity when I'm, the camera was on because alone at last you know I was like "Um, it's my sp- this is it I know exactly what's going to happen and I'm 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 in control and that's where the peace comes from but it's so peaceful it's wild right
1: I know people who do that but I've never heard anyone explain it
2: before yeah, that's why
1: and that makes perfect sense so you're turning 41 did you yeah, say yeah in march how's that going do you think for- I think 40 is a thing I think 40 40- did you start to think about death? Uh, yeah, yeah. And also I started to see my life uh, as a, con- a as a line that had an ending, yeah. so death. And I started to wonder where I was on that line and how much I'd fit into it.
2: I did get a sense of, jeez, it's gone quite quick.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
2: Like, like, I've had this T-shirt for five years. <laughs> I, I remember when this T-shirt arrived in the mail. <laughs> I know, I oh, know. Oh, happened fast. You and I, we get paid to be who we are. Yeah. And it's through doing my podcast, through unlocking that authenticity, I've found the greatest freedom in what I do and the greatest confidence to be who I am. Actually, like, the greatest compliment came to me the other day when um, some people I'd met recently watched the Arias and they were like, oh, he's just the same as he is when he's here. Then that's the greatest thing I could ever, ever hope for. That what. And they'd met me the other way around. They'd yeah. met me first and then they saw me on the telly. Not saw me on the telly and then met me. And that's the greatest, that's the greatest compliment I can ever, ever be given. Mm. That I'm providing an authentic experience. Nikki, Nikki Whelan says it that. LA will, L.A. will force you to see the things that you don't want to see. L.A. will, one way or the other, you've got to find your true course because if you're one degree or to the left or right, or port or starboard, you'll lose an arm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it'll, take you a while, t- it'll take you apart. Going to auditions and believing that that job is yours and having spent the money already... Yeah, and then being bitter when they gave it to someone else. Like, yeah, that'll take you apart, you, and brutally. And I've seen it happen. I've mm. seen it firsthand. It's happened to me. You've just, you've got to find your true, your your true course here. Otherwise, you'll you're in for a lot of trouble.
1: It's like it polishes the harshness of it, kind of shears off any artifice and. I don't know if it's a edifice, po- polish, edifice. Polish polish
2: gives you the idea that it's something nice. Not-
1: well. <laughs> It yeah, maybe you're right. It grinds down. Yeah, that's it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Grinds off. Yeah, you'll lose
1: edges and yeah, you know,
2: you'll lose everything that isn't supposed flesh to. Flesh and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it'll it'll show. Otherwise, it's it'll it'll smash you. But that's you know, it's, I mean, I'm, I've had enormous changes in my life since I came here. I've got married, got divorced, got sober. Um. Uh, became the first Australian to ever host live national primetime network. North America, um, been employed, been unemployed, all kinds of shit's happened to me since I've been here. It's wild. You just got to be okay with that. You got to be okay with that.
1: You're putting a lot of work into being okay, huh? <laughs> I've
2: got no choice. I've got no choice. We talked about this last time. I have to. I, I just have to. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to fall a bit. And the benefit is that putting all that work in helps me be better at my my job and a better person to be around than I've ever been before. So that's a real great benefit to me. So yeah it's a lot of work but the reward's really great.
1: Do you spend a lot of time with people or are you alone a lot of the time? Ah, uh,
2: I try to uh, have one personal interaction a day. Okay. So you're it, I'm today. it. you're yeah. it which I'm really grateful for, actually. I can stare at my belly button a lot. And the other thing that having other people around is really important for me is that, um, my ability to, um, I don't want to say my ability to perceive reality because that's, that's a bit too much, but my ability to gauge what's actually going on in a room, and a space, whatever, is a little, is a little busted. And so when I have someone around, someone else around, it's a little like finding the edge of the pool. I uh, call. Okay, well, cool cool, cool. I'm, I'm good here I know I'm just treading water but I know the pool edge of the pool is there and that's what it's like when I'm with other people it's actually it's actually quite good so yeah. I do I do I do well around other people but yeah. I do better alone yeah I mean and a lot of that has got to do with sobriety I'm not I need my house to be safe I need my house to be a place that has a sacredness about it I need my house to be somewhere that I can go and know that this peace and serenity and if you have a flight mate who whether they drink or use or don't still you're at the whim of their emotions their emotions are theirs to have and that's totally great they can be happy they can be sad but I run a fairly fine uh margin there's a very slim margin for me
1: did you have to change friends? um did you have to lose some?
2: well I uh Of, it kind of all happened, I was in Los Angeles, I was away from many of my Australian mates mm-hmm. already, and I was still married when I stopped drinking, so it was actually pretty easy. There were some people I couldn't hang out with anymore, oh. and and you learn that when you stop drinking, you realise there's some people, I only hang around that person because when I hang around that person, drinking at 11 in the morning is totally fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah.
2: Oh, right. <laughs> Okay, guess we're not going to see you anymore, Bazza.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? They don't get in touch with you either. Because mm. the only reason they ever got in touch with you was to drink as well. So, you know, mm. that happens.
1: Are you seeing anyone?
2: I only just started seeing someone.
1: Great. That's fantastic. This is wild. Yeah, it's yeah. great.
2: I thought you were going to ask me about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I only just started seeing someone. And it's really nice. Has it been it a while? A, uh, mate, I've been... It's it's like slow as molasses. A couple of months now. Mm-hmm. Super super slow, which is good because I need it to be super super slow. But it's really nice. It's really really lovely. It's so nice. Like possibly the, you know, it's 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 after my divorce, and I think anyone that, that I would recommend anyone that gets divorced just. Not jump into the next thing and start dating someone who looks like their ex, and you know, any of that. The first few times I tried seeing someone after my divorce, I just I hadn't, I wasn't ready, and I, I, I wanted to go at it like a like a bull at a gate. I just had to go, and it's only now that I'm oh, right, I get it, I get it, and uh, it's been slower, so it's it's good.
1: How do you go about talking about your mental illness with new with a new partner
2: I've always been a full disclosure kind of guy like even when I was dating um, oh I just like straight up say so this is this is what I've got um, this is the brain I was born with and this is you know this is the work I do to make sure that it doesn't run my life yeah. and this is um, you know it's not like I'm pretending it doesn't exist mm-hmm. it does but it, it, it comes with me this is this is what i got and if I, then I, if I then show that I'm identifying, oh, how are you today? Well, my brain has decided this is happening. I know that's not the case, but that's what my brain's decided to do and my body's reacting to it. So don't worry, it's got nothing to do with you. I know yeah. it's not real, uh, but it's, give me about 20 minutes. <laughs> It'll be better. Um, and I think, you know, for, for me, uh, you
1: know.
0: Cool fact. To find out if it's right for you.
2: Uh, it, it's like I mean it's like any it's any it's like any health related matter. If you're just gonna ignore your diabetes and just eat all the donuts you want, people are gonna think you're a fucking idiot, alright? What are you fucking doing?
1: I guess it's the fear of mental illness, isn't it? Like I'm I'm projecting mm. a possible fear of where where could this go? Yeah um, how bad could it get? Could I end up in a carer kind of relationship? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what I'm projecting people might think if I told them from the outset that I have a condition right. that I need to manage forever. Right. You know?
2: Here's the thing. And my, you know, my doctor's great. We might have talked about this already. The things, like I said before, my coping mechanism yeah. has become the thing I get paid really well mm. for. And I love to do it. I love my job. I love it. I love the people I get to meet doing my job. I love that I get to bring people joy, and I love that I give people something something to talk about. Part of what makes me good at what I do is because I won't rest. I have a brain that won't stop until something's done. Sometimes it's fucked when my brain decides that it's going to use that uh, ability to focus on something to be afraid of, and that's when I've got to manage that. But when piece of good data goes into that machine I I produce amazing results in my work in my writing in my photography in my podcast whatever it is I'm working on so I've got to be thankful for it because it's like it's like a superpower that occasionally is like Tomo the fast bowler I'm now quite a fast bowler from back in the olden days when World Series Cricket first started back in about 1867 um, there were these two fast bowlers Dennis Lilly and Jeff Thompson and Tomo was just a unbelievably terrifying fast bowler it's terrifyingly fast not a hundred (laughs) percent accurate got called wide more often than not yeah Yeah. but when he hit he hit
1: so well he was in the national team
2: but he wasn't a hundred percent accurate so the same thing is like i have this ability to do this thing every now and again it misfires.
1: that's okay
2: i'm really glad i could talk with you about it because i've I've wanted to find a way that I could talk about I talk about it occasionally on my show I talk about it in the intros and outros a bit but it's easier in conversation to you and you know someone who someone who uh, you know is empathetic which is um, and the the best part about it all is you know and I've I've been having a tough time this year the people around me are just so fucking good because they all ask that question are you okay? Mm -hmm. and I can't tell you how amazing that question is and how powerful that question is if there's someone in your life that it's just such an important question to ask i think that's one thing i've really learned through being sober is that no one does it alone no one does it alone and there's enormous power enormous power in just giving someone a call just reaching out checking in
1: to listen to somebody who's not afraid is that part of it
2: yeah that really helps
1: you know when you're on an airplane and it makes a weird noise and you look straight at the um cabin crew to see if they're freaking out is it like that
2: that's my analogy at all times at all times i um if you don't see the cabin crew panic don't panic
1: yeah yeah so so if you're having a hard day and you can reach out and chat with someone who's clearly yeah not afraid does it help? super important to ground you
2: yeah yeah it's really important and yeah so i just think you would say to your mate look if you ever weren't you can find yeah, it. that's a really good... And that's it. They may not be ready to talk to you about it that day, but... Or that moment. They might text you later on. That's yeah. That's
1: okay. That's good advice. Huh. That's yeah. all I've got for you. No, no, no. That's perfect. <laughs> it's been on my mind a lot for the last couple of days. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> that's, that's the other thing is... It's this fine line of not... It's like Napoleon getting sucked down after Bill and Ted's time machine. <laughs> Yeah. you can't get too close sometimes yeah. you got to kind of keep your distance a bit yeah uh, there is an enormous I watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure again last night there's did you few, yeah there's a few fantastic <laughs> logic errors in that um, they're babies yeah if you watch it again you watch it Keanu Reeves and uh, um,
1: Alex Al- Alex Winter, Winter. Alex yeah. Winter yeah they're children yeah they're, yeah like it must have been 17 or something <laughs> yeah. they're just as were we my friend when we saw it the I first was 14 time. when I saw were it were you well, uh, I would have been too yeah and
2: I thought it was the greatest thing that had ever been committed to same. film same
1: yeah me too ever yeah
2: that, it even got made. Like, that's because now, yeah. now I live here. Yeah. You know, I think a lot about how things get made and how they pitched bet. it. Yeah.
1: Like, how the fuck did they get George Carlin to do that? <laughs> George fucking Carlin. Yeah. It's the same on Australian television. Oftentimes it's the weirdest rumours that actually happen. <laughs> and the most obvious things, you just can't get made. Oh,
2: I've heard the wildest shit. What's the wildest? Best Australian TV rumour you've heard about yourself?
1: Oh, about myself. Um,
2: about a job that someone said you were going to have, and it, you're like, well, no one's called me. Yeah, I yeah, know.
1: I would love that job oftentimes, I think, but no, not me. Uh, most recently, it was I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 which I wouldn't have loved, but yeah, I was like, oh, I'm kind of insulted. <laughs> Someone know?
2: said that you're going to be on it. Yeah, yeah, That's and funny. I was kind of
1: like, I've got a job, you know, like.
2: Yeah, and a good know. one.
1: Yeah, good one. <laughs> I can't go to the jungle for three months. I've actually got a job, you know. What about you?
2: Uh, I got off a plane once coming back from uh, Europe and my phone exploded with people saying congratulations because apparently a newspaper had published that I was going to be the host of The Voice Season 2.
1: Oh, really? Like,
2: first I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's... Part of me wonders what it would be like to do Breakfast Radio... For a while,
1: it's intense, but it's a great. I mean, it's such a structure.
2: Yeah, that's you know? what I think. That's the part of yeah. it. Yeah. You know, we talk about living in a seasonal world yeah. and the benefits and that, yeah. that brings.
1: For my anxiety, it's great. The structure, the mm. knowing. I'm, I'm very, very poor I at creating. Got to bed at
2: seven pm and no one gets. You, I know it's great. Oh, fucking awesome.
1: I'm very bad at creating structure for myself. Yeah. But when someone else creates it, I I can slide into that and know what's happening next. Yeah. You know, that helps me relax.
2: Yeah, and be less. And plus, you get to. It must be great because you get to spend so much time with your family. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, But I did. I was off medication for like eighteen months, and in June of this year, just absolutely lost my shit. I don't know if it was the change of job and the lack of sleep and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, so I had to go back on medication. Yeah,
2: for me it was a. it was just, it was a long, slow... It was the frog in the frying pan.
1: Yes, I... I just yeah.
2: didn't realise how bad it had got yeah. until it came to a crisis point. And by then, like... I have a technique that my doctor showed me that I can use to relax myself. And I can do it so well that I'm able to relax myself past, down, back past the point of the anxiety peak. Sometime around December last year... I was no longer able to do that Yeah. no matter how much I tried I couldn't relax myself all the way down that should have been just a giant red flag but I just blew straight past it right like a speed limit of school zone went fuck it if I don't and four or five hours of fitful sleep a night became normal and I didn't even think alright so when like two or three things piled on top of that of course of course it cracked yeah you know of course yeah and thank fuck I knew something was up like, I'm really grateful that I knew, hey, something's really wrong here.
1: Yeah.
2: I think that's the most important thing just to check. Ask yourself, Yeah, is this, is this, what am I doing right now? Is this okay? And like.
1: But even then, I found myself doing that for maybe months yeah, oh, right. or at least weeks before I went yeah. to see a doctor about it. Checking in constantly. You shitting yourself? Yes. <laughs> 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 you still shitting yourself? Yes.
2: Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's
1: uh, <laughs> it's you know this is,
2: this is this is this is what I've got, and yeah. it makes me really good at some of the things that I do. And I'm,
1: that's such a great way of thinking about it. You have to, yeah, you're right. My
2: doctor would tell me that you know if you think um, someone who's an Olympic weightlifter who practices the same eighteen movements in repetition. Thousands and thousands of times a year for four years for one 12 second long or uh, uh, 18 second long moment on a stage and at an Olympics. Do mm-hmm. you think that person doesn't have some amount of obsessional compulsive issue? Yeah. Then that's what they've got. Like swimmers are able to stare at a black line with no other input doing repetitive action because they have a little bit of that going on. Yeah, you're right. They do. They have
1: to. Yeah. You can't. I don't feel like I could do that.
2: You've got to have that. Yeah, you're right. Swimming particularly.
1: Swimming is so yeah, insular. Yeah. You can't talk to anyone. Yeah. It's well, hours. Ian Thorpe talks a lot about that. Oh, about really? the end of that. Yeah.
2: What do I do now? Yeah, yeah. How do I talk to anyone? And people? the
1: missing of yeah. that. The, yeah. the hours of looking at that line and that's your purpose.
2: Solitude, yeah. Yeah. I find... um, So, so I've, I've got a, a torn labrum in my left hip, so mm-hmm. I can't run at the moment. And running was my... Running was my thing. Get up in the morning, run 10K. Makes everything better. Um, not being able to run is terrible, but being able to cycle is great. great. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm grateful I'm able to cycle. And cycling has become this incredible thing for me. So much so that I was in the saddle. I did a great ride in Utah. I was out there for a conference and I took my bike and I was in the mountains. I was in the saddle for maybe seven hours. Felt like an hour and a half.
1: Wow.
2: Total moving meditation just... No music, just breathing.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Just yeah.
2: amazing to be in that. Just finding that through the breath and the movement to find that time just becomes this elastic thing.
1: You're so good at finding the gratitude in things. You got it. Yeah, I know. And I know that you work at it and you're very, you're, you're very good at it. Yeah, you one I love to do that.
2: The one I love here about Los Angeles, I mean, you're here for a short time, so yeah. I'm guessing you're not doing any driving? No. Okay. The one I love about driving is when someone does something, I just, I've trained myself to go, I'll bet they're really good at other stuff. (laughs) Or when someone parks across two spots, I'm like, I'll bet that person is like makes an amazing apple pie. (laughs) I bet there's something else they're really good at. Driving isn't one of them, but I'll bet you there's something they're really good at that I just can't see right now. And that's what I have to go with. And I find that just relieves me of such, you know, of that anger trigger
1: and of I used course, to have and of course yeah, yeah. remember last time we like, spoke you told me about of course, of course. and I, I say that to myself all the time now yeah, of course one. of course of course that person of course someone would park yeah. across my driveway yeah, of
2: course I'm sure they're really good at other stuff
1: yeah yeah
2: I'm sure they're a, like exceptional uno player or <laughs> that when their grandma's sick they look after
1: them yeah
2: I bet there's something that, about them that's really good that I just don't know right now Yeah. but this is not <laughs> their full train, parking or,
1: you know. Do you worry in on any level that yeah. talking about mental illness will, like, have a backlash on you? Like, work-wise or, you know, I guess work-wise is what I'm asking. Do you worry if everyone suddenly went, Osha from The Bachelor has got, like, this really intense you know anxiety disorder and he like do you worry that that would that you would regret that
2: I would say look at that guy on the TV he's able to do that job people who have these mental issues are able to do these sorts of things that's what that looks like
1: yeah and I agree with you it's like being
2: it's like being vegan it's like yeah um,
1: I agree with you, but you know the stigma that uh, so many people walk around with, saying I don't want people to know that I'm on antidepressants. I don't want them to know that I suffer.
2: That's fine. That's their choice.
1: Yeah, but that's, because that's their choice. they're scared of that's okay a backlash. You're I've, not. Scared I'm not of encouraging
2: that. anyone to, um, and it's almost I don't want to use the word come out, but I'm not. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to disclose, I think was the word I'd, I'd be using. Yeah. Um, but
1: you I'm, personally aren't scared of that. I have
2: no. I have no. I've been talking about it for year and a half now yep. on my show um, I don't trumpet it from the rooftops um, I would like to think that um, you know attraction not promotion I'd like to think that people if they know that about me and they see me at work they can put that together as perhaps a new paradigm of what they think Uh n- living with a mental illness looks like Mm
0: -hmm. alright yeah
2: that living with a mental illness doesn't mean you have to move in downstairs with your mum and sit and watch Oprah all day Um, it can do and some people that's all they can do and that's really you know really tough I I have an enormous like I want to you know I want to weep when I think about what I've got is a poof teeth of what some people have to live with And it's... it's Honestly, some people live in such such trauma every goddamn minute of the day. And I, you know, I just have all... I, I want to cry thinking about it, you know, like... Yeah. It's all they can do to make it to the pillow at night. And that's just so much effort for them. I got away easy compared to them, you know. And I guess that's, that's all I can think. I mean... I, the, the people I work for, know that it goes on, and you know that's that's cool. Um, but like I said, you know, it's the same. If I can give people a different picture of what it is to not eat meat, yeah, I thought vegans had dreadlocks and <laughs> shouted a lot and showed me videos of chickens getting slaughtered. So no, they vegans do other things. Vegans host TV shows. Vegans, you know, run marathons and and cycle for a hundred miles at a time up mount, up and down mountains and just do just fine you know if I can say that you know people who have uh, you know a few switches flicked upside down in their brain can function just perfectly then well as perfectly as anybody else <laughs> so no I mean and if I am a little afraid if I am a little afraid with you it means that I've been and I, I you know I, and I am a little but it means that I've been um, uh, as authentic as I can be and uh, and I really feel that you know, I'm, uh, this conversation—I haven't held anything back from you, except, except where noted. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, yep. Um, This is, you know, you know, this is, this is it. You know, like I said, you got me on an interesting day. <laughs> oh, I've had two coffees since we started talking, so. Look at that! It's three twenty-two, three fifty-one yeah. PM, and I've just started to <laughs> uh, start. Just started to. Uh, the sun's just started to shine. <laughs> what are we, uh, there's always helicopters circling in Hollywood. I know. Yeah, that's the uh, medical one. Oh no, that's Channel Six News. Okay, so that's a news copter. Something's going on. Uh, there's always something going on. And if you've ever,
1: if you've ever done... Osher and I have emailed back and forth a lot since that conversation. Um, Most recently, he emailed me yesterday and asked me to include this piece of information and I'm just going to read it exactly as he wrote it to make sure that it's right. He wrote, at the time of our conversation, what I had was classified as a mental illness. After hard work, treatment and the love of a good woman, I've been downgraded to a mental condition. Could you please mention that in the podcast? So, FYI. That is the current state of play with Osher Ginsberg. You'll find more info about all of our guests at michellelorry.com, as well as a place to leave questions and feedback. There's also a link there to the website of Tenzen Choyil. He is the man behind the beautiful Tibetan music you've heard throughout the podcast. Thank you to Tim Mountford and Peter Laurie for editing help, but please know that the clunkiest edits are all mine. And thank you for downloading this episode of the Nitty Gritty Committee, conversations about the guts and the glory of life. Please subscribe to get them all on iTunes and go ahead and leave us a nice review if you feel so inclined.